You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Robert Jones, nicely out to Emir Lewis. Emir Lewis is checking up, goes Yayan Evans. Yayan Evans is away. Can the cap, Welsh captain make it? He's going to do it. And it's a try for Wales. And the Welsh captain has scored his eighth and his 33rd international. Welcome to another episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. There may have been no rugby this weekend, or very little at any rate. But we've still got loads of stuff to talk about. We have got the Six Nations. We've got a Lions tour that apparently might be happening or might not be happening or might be happening over here. Uh, we've got Dai Young's return to Cardiff Blues. Uh, we've got loads of transfer news. It's been a while since we've um, since we've had a bit of uh, transfer gossip. So we're going to have a little concentrate on that this week. The WRU seem to be shipping people along left, right and centre at the, at the top of the game. And uh, yeah, if the Six Nations is going to happen, then we've also got a, a, a squad to look forward to. So it's only right that we bring back a good mate of the show. We haven't had him on for far too long and not even a global pandemic could keep him away from us. It's the <laughs> mighty Murph. How are you doing, Murph? I'm all right, mate. Yeah. Uh, all things considered, I'm all right. Yeah. Well, it's good, to, it's good to have you back. And it's the first time we've ever done it over Zoom as well. So um, I get to, yeah, uh, I get to look at you while we're doing it. Yeah, exactly. I... I, I, I... Never keen on phone calls, so to be able to see you, you are actually uh, smiling when I say something vaguely witty, because normally I wonder whether I'm just, you know, completely unfunny. <laughs> and um, yeah, I can see you. There we go. Yeah, no, it's uh, it does it does make it a bit better. Like I said, then no um, no rugby this weekend. Uh, how do you how do you feel the weekends when there's uh, when there's no rugby? Uh, well, I, I personally, I was lucky because uh, this um, NFL playoff weekend, so I've had lots to keep me occupied. And also there was some UFC, uh, which I recorded overnight, so I've managed to keep going. But it, it was quite sickening. My TiVo had a lot of games lined up, as you can imagine, to yeah. be recorded, the planned recordings this weekend. And they all kind of uh, dropped off as the days of the week went off, all disappeared off my planned recordings. So 
I managed. You managed, yeah. I uh, I, I managed to, to squeeze in some football. And it's been a long time since I've watched much uh, watched much football. Um, mm. But yeah, I don't know. It just didn't seem right. I felt like it was me being punished for slagging off rugby over <laughs> recent podcasts and moaning, <laughs> moaning about caterpillar rucks and, and box kicking. It's like you know, it's like, like the no, um, like an abusive husband. Well, <laughs> I was I was I was going to say uh, I was going to say it's more like. Um, uh, you know, it's a wonderful life. It shows you what, what a weekend <laughs> yeah. without rugby is like. But um, but yeah, yeah, something something along those lines. Anyway, as I say, we've got yeah, we still have got lots to talk about. Let's start with uh, the Six Nations, though. We were just saying before we came on air that I still can't believe this is actually going to take place. A part of me wonders whether your TiVo your TiVo box is going to see another few uh, recordings drop off it. What do you reckon, Murph? Well, I hadn't I hadn't realised that he was still so firm on his starting. But I mean, from a just purely like a European rugby point of view, the French wouldn't come and play over here. That's why it was all off this weekend. So That's what's it. the difference? What's the difference at the international level? I mean, the only difference, I suppose, and it could be quite a big one, is the lure of the you know the the lure of the big check. You know, commercially, do the French mm-hmm. rugby union have to make it work? Uh, and if that's the case, what reassurances do they need to do it? But yeah, I mean, if you're honest, you can't you can't necessarily blame them at the moment. It doesn't feel like it's the French kind of being unreasonable with this. It doesn't seem like the, the best time to be playing rugby in Europe, and it doesn't feel like the best time to necessarily be doing the Six Nations for me. Yeah, and I mean, from now I think about it, they, they don't take Europe very seriously half the time anyway. It's like the well, hand. Handful of the best French clubs go for it, and then everyone in the second tier is putting their second string out or whatever kind of development side out anyway. So the fact that they don't want to come <laughs> makes more sense if you think of it that way. But um, yeah, it's strange. It's got, like you say, it's got to be the money that's making them. And I, I did mention off air that the, the calendar backing up if they if they push the the can down the road, it just makes more of a backup later on. So. Yeah, I mean, normally, normally I would I would agree with that, but I do think that you know if everyone played a blinder, so to speak, and put aside some self interest, you could move the Six Nations to the to the window where the Lions is. You move the Lions to next summer, and you tour South Africa with it, uh, with an absolute backup plan of having South Africa come over here next summer if you weren't able to host it over there for, for whatever reason in, uh, in 18 months time. But that, that to me feels like the, like the best scenario. I don't know if it, if it is just calendar congestion or what that would stop that from happening, but it feels like, it, I don't know, there, there's something about having a Lions tour over here that just doesn't feel right to me. No. Uh, and going back to the Six Nations, it is when it starts now, which is first weekend in February. Yeah. Uh, which is only a couple of weekends away, yeah. Yeah, it is going to be very welcome after we've all been indoors since December. Having said that, it's not it normally signifies everyone going out again. Yeah, <laughs> part of the world in Cardiff, it kind of uh, goes very quiet in January, and then everyone's big first weekend out quite often is the first weekend of the Six Nations, which of course they won't be able to do. But um, just having it on in the first place will be a start, I guess. Yeah, I don't. I... I mean, I don't know how, like normally it's that exciting feeling I get after Christmas. It's like, right, get your nut down during January, mm. get it out of the way. And then we're into, we're into Six Nations and, you know, everyone can 
I don't know. It's almost like the first day of spring, isn't it? When you hit uh, when you hit the opening um, the opening weekend exactly. of the Six Nations. Yeah. Yeah. But I just don't know whether it's going to feel like like it's it's one thing having Pro Fourteen rugby behind closed doors. The internationals over the the autumn left me really flat. And I don't know if that's just because of the lack of atmosphere or because the games were so bad or the tournament didn't mean anything. And maybe it'll be different when it's the Six Nations. But it just, I think that that detracts from it a bit as well. The fact that we've only just played England and Ireland and Scotland, like literally, you know, a a couple of months ago. So I I definitely can't get as excited about it as, as I normally would. No, all British sport to me is that flat without crowds. Yeah. It shows how important crowds are. I mean, obviously, if you're in the crowd, then it's important. But the, the, I think there needs to be a reappraisal of the way TV companies and audiences view the crowd. The crowd is everything at the game. Yeah. Some of the games we've had on could have been the best games ever played. Yeah. You know, they weren't, but they could have been. And it would have felt flat because there's no one there reacting and going out of their mind and cheering. And the other one that I've rattled on about to my mates endlessly over the last few months is referees and mm. home advantage is wiped out yeah it is isn't completely it? wiped out because obviously there's familiarity of your of your surroundings but there's no one getting on the rest back yeah you know, some grounds like Ulster, for example they, they're losing half half their well they're doing well so it'd make any difference but they're losing half their ability because there's uh, there's no intimidation of the referee or the one-sided nature at all you know what i mean and and not just also a lot of clubs have uh, suffered in that way so Crowds are so important to sport, and it's one of the reasons why I've been watching so much American sport over the last yeah. few months. The crowds over there make no difference to me. But I think, <laughs> I think it will make uh, when it when we are allowed to go back to sport. I think, in certainly initially, there will be a bit of a groundswell of people wanting to get into stadiums and, like you know, like me saying they're taking rugby for granted, and then the week, the one weekend you don't have it, it's horrendous. I think that there will be a bit of desire for people to go out and you know get that get down to wherever it is you know get down to get down to watch to watch Cardiff Blues or Dragons or wherever even if you haven't been down for a few years I think people will just want to get in there and experience that but some of those games you know I know it hasn't been a great time for necessarily for for kind of running rugby but you think about the uh, that mad Bristol versus um who did oh, that in the European Cup was it Claremont yeah, yeah I think it was there was, was another big, one the other night in, in the league as well. Which yeah, was, it was Wasps, Wasps Bath, wasn't there? And mm. and you think those those games would have been absolutely amazing if you've just got if you've got the the crowds in there. And um, yeah, anyone who anyone who thinks that you know the future of sport is all virtual and all digital is you know it, it's mistaken. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> it is. It's just like you know you need you need the uh, you need the the crowds in the stadium. So for that reason. The summer feels like a, you know, it would be a much better scenario when you've got so much more of the population vaccinated, and I don't know, but for some, yeah, whatever. Not guaranteed to happen though, if, if they put it off to no, the summer, it's still not guaranteed to happen. Not, not, you know, with capacity seventy odd, eighty odd thousand people, even six months down the road, it's still not guaranteed. Yeah. To happen, which is where the Lions is in such a, a precarious situation. What do you think is the likely outcome of the Lions? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I mean, as soon as it, quite a long time ago, they said no fans, no tour. Yeah. Which I'm assuming they're rolling back on every time they make a statement at the moment. But I think I think at the moment, I think the the most likely scenario is I do think it's going to happen over here, and it's yeah, it's um, yeah, it just doesn't it just doesn't feel right to me, you know, like because even even if you split the revenues with, you know, with South African Rugby Union, 
it's not just about that. You think about the bars that, you know, would benefit for the, the local economy in South Africa oh, it's, yeah. for, for six weeks gets a massive shot in the arm. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, yeah, it just does not, it doesn't sit right with me. I think like it's one of those where you've got a real opportunity to, to benefit the, the local economies and yeah, pubs and hotels and restaurants and cabbies and everything else, you know, <laughs> It's um, yeah, yeah it's it, it, it doesn't feel right. No, I know, and I so from to that end, the best option is to delay twelve months. But you know, and I, and I don't want to sound like a stupidly pessimistic pessimist, but twelve months from next summer, South Africa might still be in a state. Yeah, it might. So it, it's it's so hard i mean for for every, every, not just sport but every situation in this during the pandemic it's so hard to work out what to do for the best and i i it, it, there's so many implications for, it, even if it's say they could guarantee the south africa to be in a good position as a country next next summer so mm. summer 2022 at the moment and this is to, to most people completely incidental but at the moment alan win jones is favorite to be captain with the bookmakers which i didn't know until i looked well I'm gonna have to look this up while we're doing it because you know this is a favorite. This is a good market of mine. I uh, I backed I backed Warburton uh, in 2017, and that's when he just lost the Wales captaincy. Um, mm. And I can't remember what I got. Nines, tens, maybe madness. Mm. Um, and who was favourite then? If if Warburton was nine or ten, uh, I think it was Alan Wynn. Oh right, right. I right, think right. so. It would have been Alan Wynn. Who would have been? Who would have been? Uh, I think England was still captained by Rob Shaw at that point in time, so you could write that off. Um, uh, post twenty fifteen World Cup, yeah, post twenty fifteen World Cup, and I think the fact that um, the fact that oh no, it wasn't it was Hartley by then, wasn't it? It was Hartley. Um, well, you could write that off as well. You could write that off as well. Yeah, exactly. So there was Hartley. Um, who would have been captain in Ireland? O'Connell was gone by then, wasn't he? God, it's so hard. Like I, I used to have well, an Rory Best. Rory, Rory Best, you can write that off. Um, so yeah, it felt very easy. And this time round, I can't remember exactly what I've got. I'm just going to open up my Sky Bet app and find. But I got good odds on Itoji because it's going to happen. Hundred yeah. percent, Itoji will no. be Lions captain if if it goes ahead this summer. I think for no other reason than he's the only player in the British Isles. Possibly the exception of maybe one or two other who is guaranteed to start in the Test team. I think he's the first name on the team sheet, isn't he? Like, yeah, you, yeah, exactly. you can't then, look outside that. You know, there's, there's a lot of people, even mates of mine, are big fans of Owen Farrell. But if he has one duff, uncreative game, which he can do now and again, mm. suddenly you can't pick him in the test team. Or if you do, you pick him at 12. Yeah. But if he's not guaranteed, if you don't know if he's going to be the guaranteed 10 or the guaranteed 12, then you can't make him a tall captain, which is the reason why he's not England captain, by the way. He's co-captain of the England team because he's not guaranteed to hold the 10 shirt, which I keep reminding uh, my mates off when they say how wonderful he is but, but, that's um, it. but that's it isn't it is the fact that he's not got the captaincy full time I think that tells you all you need to know and you know Gatlin rates him he's a high level competitor I think that's the thing is mentally he's, he's he's a chip off the old block Owen Farrell you know he is like he's like his old man hmm. in terms of in terms of his determination and professionalism and things like that I know, I know it's, I know it's really fashionable to to slag Owen Farrell off, but personally, I think he's. Is it fashionable? I, I thought it was. I thought it was just me slagging him off. Everyone slags him off, do they? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like every, everyone. Oh. I think particularly Welsh fans love to get stuck into to Farrell because, <laughs> because, he, because of his te- oh. because of his tackle technique. But um, I think you know, I, I think he's. I think he's. A, I, know, I think he's a good player, particularly at ten. 
Generally, he's a very good goal kicker. Uh, sorry, particularly at 12. Generally, he's a very good goal kicker. I don't know. I think I think he controls the game. Um, and I think he can he can get you out of trouble if you're on the back foot and stuff like that. He's not, he's not, you know, not an exciting player to watch, but he's a test match animal and he's done it in two test series and looked, you know, been an influential player in both those test series, I'd say. Yeah, but none of them were at 10. No, they weren't. And I'm not I'm not necessarily that's, suggesting that's all I'm getting at. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think you can honestly. Go into like if you pick him a ten to go into the test series against South Africa, the only way you can really play then is like Saracens because that's mm. the way he can play. He can't play like Matthew Jalabert, no. or Emil Antemak, or, or you know, you well. This is the 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 name you should mention when I when I'm slagging off um, um, Owen Farrell is Finn Russell. My yeah. mates go mad because he—they just say he's unreliable. He's going to throw interceptions. You can't pick him the testing. But get, but get him in there. Get him. I know in, exactly. Get him in. Get him in there with anyway, Farrell at twelve. Owen Farrell can't there. play like them. He cannot no, he play like them. So if you pick him a ten in the test team, you're going to play like Saracens do. And if you play like Saracens play against South Africa, they'll chew you up all day. I don't think they—I don't think they need to put their first up. They would love it if you turned up playing like Saracens. Absolutely love it. They would. And my game plan. For, you know, and it's I'm, I'm still waiting a call from Gatland for for my advice or the you know the spot <laughs> as a consultant on there. But yeah, I, th- I think the game plan is you've got to pick a monster pack because it's going to be hard, right? It's going to be really really hard, and you you've got to pick a monster but an athletic pack as well. You know, you've got to have players who can yeah. You know, so someone like Itoji, aside from the fact that he's world class, is absolutely spot on for this tour because he's an all round an all round player, right? He He's good in the line out. He's physical. He can carry ball. He can turn ball over. He's the perfect forward for a tour out there. And I just think that you know you've got to pick a really big mean pack, and then you you do have to have someone who can unlock something in the backs. You've got to because I, yeah, I, I, yeah you, you're right. You know you're going to get into you're going to get into an arm wrestle with them, and they'll they'll absolutely lap that up. It's, it's tricky because most of the best front five forwards in the UK are English. And they're all the players that got pulled apart in the World Cup final by the Scottish pack. Uh, so oh, that's a <laughs> by the South African pack. You know, like I, I, I felt like someone should have written a book about the dynamic in the World Cup final between Marco Vunipola and Vincent Cock. I know it's not just two blokes scrummaging against each other. There was eight, there were seven other people on both sides in the pack, but they they had been playing and training together for seasons on end at Saracens and must have done live scrummaging against each other and Vincent Cock must have been storing up intelligence for want of a better word on Makovunapola the whole time and then just picked his scrummaging apart throughout the whole of the World Cup final and well we know what the, we know what happened from there so he did. yeah it, it's, it's tricky uh, because like I say you know even some of the second choice English front five forwards are the best. Like I, I really rate Elish Genge and yeah. loads of other players, uh, and they're not guaranteed to be able to stand up to the scrummaging. For you know, aside from anything else, that, that are going to be exposed to down there. If well, I mean, this is all hypothetical because it's not going to happen. But yeah, I know it is hypothetical. But I think you know the other thing with that World Cup final is I think that losing Sinclair was a massive blow for them. And mm. I know you know you mainly associate him with his you know explosive ball carrying and general. Mm niggle around the park but they were severely weakened by having by having Dan Cole come on uh, at, at tight head I think you know at that, that point in his, at, at, and uh, yeah and at that and at that point in his career I think you know I think that def, that definitely weakened them the other thing with that with that game plan as well is that 
South Africa, you knew what they were going to do. They were going to, every time they had the ball, they were going to kick it really high and long and challenge Elliot Daly at fullback. Yeah, because it's, you know, it's what they did to us in the semi-final. Yeah, it's exactly what they did to us <laughs> in the semi-final. And um, yeah, and it, you know, and it worked again. And then they, you know, if you get into a war of attrition. So again, I think you've got to, you've got to pick some backs that, uh, and I mean, it's, it's a shame that Liam Williams has been injured for so long and has just got suspended for another, mm-hmm. another few weeks because Liam Williams kind of circa that 2019 game against England is exactly what you want for this because he's great under the high ball and he's a running threat as well, you know, and we know he, you know, he, he thrives on the big match occasion, but at the moment you're looking at it thinking he's, he's played so little rugby and has not looked every time he plays, he seems to go off with a knock or go off with a red card. Yeah. Um, it's a job to know where, where like he's got to prove himself. I, I guess he, he would, I was going to say he's got to prove himself to the selectors, but I guess if he's vaguely fit, he goes on the Lions tour. Well, I think so. When, once you're out there, then then you you win the Test jersey once you're on the tour. If you know what I mean, you don't you don't win the Test jersey in the Six Nations. You just get selected in the Six Nations, and then mm. you go from there. But yeah, he's. I mean, every there's loads there's loads of some of our best players like Josh Navidi. Where is he? Jo- I know Josh, concussion, but it's Josh, Josh Navidi hasn't played in. in I can't, well, what was the last game? What was the last game he played? I can't, I think, was it Six Nations? I think he played the end of the season game. He did, he Maybe he did, yeah. Uh, you know, when they started up to finish last season, if you know what I mean? Yeah. I think he played in one of those games. Oh, did he? I think. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, was, maybe, maybe you're right. I think he did. Uh, um, Patchell hasn't started a game since the World Cup. Patrick, Patchell has played six minutes or whatever it was when he came on against Scotland. Yeah. Um, and started a game for Club or Country. No. The World Cup. Yeah. Ellis um, uh, Jenkins hasn't started a game hasn't featured in a game since November 2018 mm. uh, which is getting more and more worrying because you think even when he is fit coming back after that bigger layoff is you know is a massive I mean, yeah, that, that's relearn the rules time <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is years, you know yeah so, I know yeah, so there's, there's lots there's lots of concern you know Anscombe again you know Anscombe mm. has been out since that World Cup warm-up game you know it's um yeah, yeah. There's there's lots and lots of problems in that regard, and we are going to come on and talk about uh, talk about a few of the the selection dilemmas that um, that Pivac is going to have. But what we're going to do is we're going to take some listeners' questions, particularly in regards to transfers and the uh, the structure of the WRU, which is not going to be an easy thing to pick apart on a Sunday uh, on a Sunday <laughs> night. Uh, but we're going to do our very very best. Uh, but we get, but first we're going to take this very very quick break. Fascinating first half there, Murph. I think it's made it's made all the more easy when I'm able to uh, when I'm able to uh, to stare directly at you. Gaze uh, me into my eyes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And that, that definitely makes a difference. And in case anyone was wondering, I got four to one on Maratoji to be Lions captain. Wow, he, which, still, which I think is good value. What price is he now, though? He's not. He's not a huge. He's not a huge uh, small price yet. Let's have a look, shall we? Okay. I didn't finish my point about Alan Wynn either. Oh, go on. Let's let's do that now while I'm uh... that, that extra year. If, if if we don't know, do we? But if, if they push it back to 2022, it's much more unlikely that Alan Wynn Jones is captain then because he's what 50 by then. 
And then, <laughs> and then but initially, when, when the pandemic started and all rugby stopped, I, I said to friends of mine that that makes him more likely to be Lions captain because he'd be fresh. He basically, most rugby players who've been grinding out for yeah. years on end, all got about five or six months off. Obviously, they were all training, but the, the, the contact work they just couldn't do for months on end. And for someone of Alan Wynn's age, that must have been such a good freshen up, you know. Um, so I thought he'd be in amazing shape for the Lions tour. I mean, God knows when that's going to happen. But if it is in 12 months time, he might have he might have said that's enough and retired before that even comes around. You know? so. Yeah, possibly. I mean, like if it does, if it does happen this summer, uh, I, I completely get what you're saying about he'll probably will have benefited from having, I guess, a, a not too serious injury. And will have, you know, will well, just, not have been flogged like just a, lockdown. Like a, First lockdown was brilliant yeah. for people like him because they'd all just come off the back of the World Cup. Yeah. So you don't get a summer off in the build up to a World Cup. And you've, after the World Cup, I think they give you three weeks today if you've Something been in like the that, squad yeah. and you're back into playing for your club. And, you know, at, at, I mean, I know he's not human like the rest of us, but at the age of 35, if you're going straight through like that and then. You would have had you would have had the summer just gone. He would have had that off, and then back into a full season if we hadn't had the pandemic, and then straight into British Lions. But that break from March till August was it before he played yeah. again? I would have done him a world of good, I think, and and, and the way he could be fresh going into the Lions tour. But if it but gets being tour, but being tour captain, you need to be guaranteed your shirt. And I think yeah. you know, you know, it's not it's not the same as previous tours. I, no. I think that you know, and well, I'm I'm. I'm as bigger, if not, a, you know, I, I genuinely think he's he's probably the best player to have ever played for Wales. Um, mm. But I'm not sure at the moment he's guaranteed. It, it doesn't help that he's playing in a, a really poor side. Um, but at yeah. the same time, you know, I think Gatlin will take him if he's fit and it's this summer because he knows, you know, just just having him in the camp, even if he was to, even if he was to, to not feature in the tests, it would be immense having him in the camp. Um, yeah. But well, is he guaranteed moment, a test start? Seems to be... Toje obviously cast iron, and then the outside of Wales, everything's just going to be uh, what's his name, Jack James, Ryan, James Ryan, yeah. <laughs> Jack Reacher, yeah, uh, yeah, James Ryan. And um, yeah. I think uh, this, I don't know if this is Welsh bias again, you know, what can you do? He just seems like the type of second row that the South Africans would chew up. Do you? He's not particularly heavy. I mean, he's a big boy, but he's not hes not heavy set. He's not like, who's the guy who, who's the ridiculously, oh, well, the, the South Africans who play for France, for example. Yeah. They love playing against him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They love him. He's ju- he, hes just a huge target for him to smash it. Uh, I'm thinking of Bernard LaRue. And the, Valenza. Sorry? Valenza. Valenza. That's the one I'm thinking of. He loves yeah. playing against James Ryan. And they're not even anywhere near South Africa, you know, they, well, they're friend, they play for France. But if they were home, they wouldn't get in the South Africa yeah. side. So, I, I he is he is on you know probably the second best second row in the in the in the British Isles. But that's not that's not what I, it's I about. Want... It? And, G- and Gatlin won't pick on who the best and the second best. Mm-hmm. It's about a combination of picking the team to go out there and do it. And sure. that, and, and that's... Happy then because I, I, what I'm getting at is that everyone seems to be siding with James Ryan. And well, I, 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 had, I had James Ryan on my team sheet to be honest. But having having mentioned what you said there, I think I need to, you know maybe I need to watch a few. There's a, watch there's the a, island. Watch the island games a bit more closely and see how and see how he gets on because the, the England a game, of Ireland France from from the Six Nations uh, last year or or the um, did Ireland play France just now in the autumn in the Amazon Cup? 
Did they do it in the um, No idea. Um, he, he no, they were, they were in our pool, weren't they? Yeah, but he did nothing against he did nothing against France, and that was just big fat South African second rows smashing him up, and that's and I, exactly what's going to happen down there. And I think back to think back to the England game in the Six Nations in 2020, and he had a really bad time at Twickenham actually. And I think that's the thing is you know he's he's an impressive player, but you're right, it is a it's a certain degree of physicality. But see, I don't know, I don't know who that is. Then you know, are you then looking at a well, are you looking at a Courtney Law style option or? So I'm just going to say, there's probably four or five English boys who could do yeah. it. Yeah, Africa, but are they like at the moment? Who is the out and out uh, second choice? If you partner, if you like, for Maruatoji, um, it chops and changes, doesn't it? It's it does, a- and they mess around putting him at six and stuff like that. Which yeah. again, I, you know, I think Eddie Jones is a fan of. I don't like it because I just think you're taking your best player, who is the who is one of, if not the best second row in the world and putting him out of position. It doesn't, uh-huh. it doesn't make any sense to me. I know they've got other great options in the second row, but they've got, they've got brilliant back row options as well. You know, they've, they've got, we have now. We have now. Oh yeah. Well, famously listen to any of these podcasts from 2017. And I was joking about how, you know, Wales had 10 number sevens who would all get an England side. And it's mm-hmm. not the case now, you know, you've got Underhill and Curry have instantly looked you know, world-class players. Then you've got the um, Jack Willis and uh, and those players. Oh, that, yeah. lad, that that other lad at Wasps, Barberi looks incredible. You know, they they've got not even a, he's not even a back row forward. No, he's a hooker, isn't he? Yeah, he's a hooker, so unreal. Um, it's unreal, but yeah, and and I don't think I, Gatlin will not care if he picks fourteen Englishmen. Um, well, if, no, if that's the side to if that's the side to do it, he will not care. And you know, the other thing is. For the first time, us as fans have got to not care about that as well. You know, we've got to, you've got to pick a side to uh, to beat them, and there's there's no room for <laughs> there's no room for parochialism, which you know is is never something that we've done particularly well in Wales. But it's it's you know it's just got to be the case that you you pick the best side to to go out there and do the job. And at the moment, England have the strongest squad. Um, I think Ireland are faltering a bit, if I'm honest. I haven't seen a great deal from them since Farrell took over to suggest that they're they're any better than they were at the World Cup, and you know I yeah, think I think they I think they got bigger problems. Maybe, maybe they'll come out a bit quicker than we realise. But I think they got bigger problems than most people give them credit for because they haven't replaced Rob Carney. No, um, they've tried three or four. Now they've even made Stockdale change position. Stockdale yeah. from wing to fullback, and I I don't know if that's going to work. And Sexton is clearly uh, I don't I'm going to be polite. Pass his best. Yeah. I mean, he's thirty. He's same age as Alan. Eighty-five, thirty-six. Yeah. I mean, like not rebuilt. The the problem I can't, can't stay fit more than anything else. Their mind in form can't stay fit. So even when they even when they were you know they were beating New Zealand and stuff like that, the big problem with Ireland is they were always over reliant on Sexton. You just thought, what happens if Sexton gets injured? Because everything runs through him. Yeah. Everything runs through him, and they've never had a backup. You know, you can't take Sexton out of that side and put Carty in, or you know, Carberry at that stage. None of those players could go in and and expect him to to dominate games the way that Sexton does. But no. so so not rebuilding after the World Cup and and sticking it out with him and having him as captain just seemed like madness to me. And yeah. and and I think it's kind of panning out that way. I think he'll be lucky to tour, if I'm honest. But um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. I mean. If he, like he's always been prone to getting too stuck in, picking up a knock, and then being off. Or you know, at his best, obviously he, he had um, 
World Player of the Year and everything not that long ago. Was it two, two, three seasons ago? He was he was instrumental in in the last two Lions in the last two Lions tours. He was he was excellent in uh, in Australia, and he was excellent um, he was excellent in New Zealand, and you know yeah. formed a good Farrell with with Axis a uh, good Axis with Farrell in those in mm-hmm. those games. But again, you know the the other problem is and I know I say this a lot. His goal kicking, I know percentage wise it might be fine. He's always got he's always got a ropey kicking day in him, and he misses <laughs> yeah. kicks. He misses kicks that he shouldn't. That that bigger never misses. That half penny never miss. You know that those best goal kickers in the world simply don't miss the big pressure kicks. Sexton, I'm not. You know, I've never been overly sold on him as a, a goal kicker, and I don't think Gatland has. He's always he's always picked half penny or Farrell alongside him in those t- in those test match sides, so that Sexton can just concentrate on playing ten and not have the goal kicking. Yeah. There was a kick, a penalty missed in 2013 against the All Blacks, which would have put him eight points clear with a minute to go, or somewhere similar in and time. Then, and then Crotty scored in the corner, didn't he? Missed it. Uh, they went over in the corner after about 200 phases and uh, and then kicked the conversion to win. And it, that would not have been a thing if he did. I mean, it wasn't an easy uh, penalty kick. It wasn't, it wasn't on the touchdown and it certainly wasn't far out either. You know, it was international, uh, expect him to get penalty and uh, he missed that and it cost him again there obviously eventually a few <laughs> few seasons later they beat him in Chicago but um and, and in Dublin yeah. but um that 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 must play I mean obviously he's of a standard that he, he just gets over it but I, I'd, I'd still be having sleepless nights if that was me <laughs> yeah I mean the thing is that again I remember Stephen Jones missing a hat full against when we lost to the All Blacks in what 2004 maybe Steve Jones had a bad day with a boot, and um, and we lost by a point. And yeah. you know, you know, the good great players get over it, don't they? And and yeah. Sexton obviously is a is a great player. And um, but I just I, yeah. I would literally be punching myself in the leg on the end of my bed, crying <laughs> over that penalty. I mean, imagine if I mean it's all it's all imagine you know hypothetical. But imagine if they hadn't beaten New Zealand yeah. twice in the last decade, and that was it. That was that. That game where he had that—it was in Lans, old Lansdowne Road, actually, wasn't it? And uh, and uh, he, he, no, it yeah, can't have been. no, 2013. When did they rebuild that? Was that 10 years ago? Was it? Uh, yeah, they were playing at Croke Park in 2006. All oh, right, okay. Uh, I was going to blame the Lansdowne Road wind for that penalty. <laughs> the, the tube went through at that. The dart went through at that point and uh, and rocked the stadium. Yeah. Right. So let's move. Let's move on from the Lions and generally slagging off the Irish um, <laughs> to uh, uh, to yeah a couple of listeners' questions and particularly with uh, some transfer news in mind. So this one has come in from Ben Parker. It says, "Should Scarlets be worried about losing their top young talent?" Uh, this is in the wake of Jack Morgan and Oshin not being linked to the Ospreys. Sorry, say that again. My dog disturbed me. <laughs> so, uh, should should the Scarlets be worried about losing their top young talent? This is particularly with a view to Jack Morgan being linked to the Ospreys and uh, Ossian not being linked to the Ospreys as well. Um. Well, yeah, but when, the thing is, when you've got a squad, you know, they've got the, I would say, the deepest squad in, mm. in the, of the regions. Players are going to get tempted away. I mean, they did in a long. Oshin Knott is on a long queue of uh, centres there at that club, and so I don't. I don't know how they can. You know, what else they can do? The guy wants to play, and maybe the Ospreys have said, uh, "Come here, <laughs> you get games." And that, you know, that, that's the way. I mean, in a way, it, it, that, that, that's a good sign because they're churning out players, if you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, and we had. Um... 
Uh, yeah, we had this uh, this chat last week with Simon Mudrak, the uh, the Ospreys, uh, the Scarlets chairman, and mm. you know you're saying they're producing talent in certain areas, and back row forwards, you know, particularly kind of open sides is is one area that they're they're producing lots of of good talent in. Um, I think the two things are different. I think yeah, Oshin not's not got close to the to the starting side, so you can kind of see where a move uh, a move would suit him. Plus. Ospreys have improved a lot, but they need centres. You know, Scott Scott Williams has really struggled with injuries since going down there. It's a, it's a real shame to see, but you can see why not would be, you know, a good, exciting centre to bring into that setup. Um, the Jack Morgan one, I, th- I think, you know, Scarlett's would want to keep him, if I'm honest. You know, you can, I, I don't think you can say, oh, we've got lots of depth there. When the depth is, you know, is Cubby Boy and uh, what's McLeod. his name, Dan Davis and McLeod. You know, McLeod's fantastic, playing very well. But this guy, this guy is the next big talent, right? He's the next big talent to wear to wear seven, I think. And so losing him, I think, is a would be a blow. But the other thing it tells you is there's money coming to the Ospreys. They've got they've had an injection of private cash, right? And, yeah. They've got, you know, they have got, I'm not saying they're going to be going out doing the whole Galactico thing like it's 2005 all over again, but they have got more resources to bring players in. And I think it's a bit, it's a bit of a, a statement signing to go out and say, look, everyone's very excited about this guy. And, you know, he's going to come in, learn from Tipperick and, uh, and, and be a really good signing, I think. And they, and they do need back row forwards. They've, they've, they've done a good job in the back, but they need them. Yeah, they're, they're short. They realise Scarlet's. I'm not particularly short in back row forwards. I mean, uh, you reeled off three out-and-out open sides there, but there's loads of players at the Scarlets who can cover across the whole back row. Like, uh, uh, I'm going to get someone's name wrong right now, any second. The uh, Scottish Kiwi back row forward. Blade Thompson. Yeah, I knew that. I was so so close to calling him Brad Shields. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Blade Thompson, and, and, and you know, they and all they, sound like they all sound like superheroes anyway, don't they? Blade Thompson <laughs> yeah. and Brad Shields. Uh, yeah. And they got cover now at number eight down there. I think so. There is a lot of depth in in uh, Jack's defence, Scarlet. So I, I think you can see just uh, money aside. I think you can just see himself being on the pitch more. Ah, oh, see, I don't, I don't see that one with him. I, I, I do think that if they, you know, if they, if there was an opportunity to keep him, I think Scarlets would like to. And I think that you, you know, with McLeod, McLeod is probably their first choice seven at the moment. But McLeod is very much a six, seven, eight player. He's, I think he's, you know, certainly in Pro 14 games, he's comfortable at six or eight. I would say, uh, you know, doing um you know, you could, I think you could play McLeod and Morgan together. Yeah, yeah, particularly with a Calamophonia eight, you know that that would work. Yeah. So I don't know. I think you know if you would get if if I was in charge as uh, Scarlets, I'd be looking to perhaps offload you know a Cubby or a Dan Davis over over Jack Morgan. But yeah. I think yeah, you know I I think I think the Ospreys are really hot on him, and I think he'd be a good signing for them. Hmm. Maybe, maybe they've just been caught in a ways there, Donald Scarlets. You know it can happen when you've got that many players. You just didn't evaluate where you were, and next thing you know, one of them's gone. You know. Mm. Um, yeah, interesting. I, I, I didn't, I didn't know about the Ospreys getting a, a, a cash injection. Yeah, so the Ospreys were. Uh, I think it was about May, June time. It was all completed. Um, oh, I, I, always, I always forget the the fella's name. It's Simon Yendel. Yandel. Uh, Hooker for Exeter. No, who's that? 
<laughs> it's a Yandel Dexter, isn't it? Oh, is it? Oh, no, I don't know. I, I, you, you're testing my knowledge there um, <laughs> too much. There, one of the originals, I think. One of the from when they were still. Oh, the- really? From the old, um, yeah, the the championship days. Yeah. Um, no, he's got he's got a double barrel name, and I can't remember his name. His um, his dad played at uh, played at Swansea or Neath, which All is right. why I thought you might know him. But anyway, they've had um, oh, this isn't. Huge amount of professionalism. I should know. This. Supposedly, <laughs> Adrian, my name. Adrian Varney's son plays for Italy. Is that the one? <laughs> no, not him. Um, he's good, by the way. We missed a trick there. But mm. um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. They've had um, they've had an injection of uh, an injection of well, certainly external cash coming in. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure they're going to be spending like it's like it's going out of fashion. But I think that they're going to want to strengthen the squad. And um, well, that would seem like sensible money, anyway. Sensible spendage, you would say. Bringing in yeah. a young, they're not they're not bringing in a uh, former international all black or something no they're not and it's the kind of player who you know if he does get you know if he does get Wales caps which I think he will he'll end up as one of those 35 players who the WRU pay the bulk of his wages anyway providing mm-hmm. that situation stays the same let's stick with transfers though and in fact this is another question from Ben uh, and he's all the time, isn't it? huh I'm sidetracking you all the time. <laughs> that's all right that's, that's, that's the best that's the best way for it otherwise I end up just going off and uh, and <laughs> ranting for 40 minutes uh, without taking a breath. This yeah. one says, and we kind of touched on this already, actually, uh, should inter-regional transfers happen, be allowed to happen if it significantly weakens uh, another region? And this is in relation to Matthew Screech being linked to the Cardiff Blues. Mm. Well, uh, the Cardiff Blues, um, the Matthew Screech move, that's surely got to be something to do with uh, Roland's arriving from Wasps. I mean, you, you wouldn't look at the Dragons now and say they're flush with talent, would you? I would say that if Roland mm-hmm. arrives, that they've now got much more strength in an area that they've had, you know, they've they've been papering over the cracks. I would still say that if you had everyone fit, Screech would Screech and Roland's would probably be the first choice pairing. Right. Okay. With young, with young Carter knocking around as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I think potentially, you know, Cardiff just seem to want to keep by, you know, they now having, and again, we've debated this um, before, but having neglected for buying front five forwards for a very long time and invested all that money in back three, uh, they now seem to be intent on, on, you know, on making signings in those areas. And I think that they're... The money's dropped. Yeah, it has. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know how much you know. Screech is way more important to the Dragons than he would be to than he would be to Cardiff. Yeah, it, it, it seems like they know they need front five forwards, but they can't afford any. Yeah, no, that's true. And I also I don't know how much it would be that much of a step up compared to you know. Obviously, Corey's there for you know as as first choice. You'd say probably Corey and Seb Davis are their first choices. Then. You know, does Screech oust one of those? I don't think so. Is he significantly better than someone like um, Ben Murphy, who's come in and done a good job? Mm. I, I don't know, really. I think that he's so he's so important to the Dragons, and he's just you know he's got better and better and better each season and rebuilt his career. Um, I don't know that it makes it, it makes that much of an impact to them. If it you know if it was like we said before, someone who um is this 20 year old six foot 11 beast from Transvaal who is going to you know he's going to come in and revolutionize and revolutionize the pack 
then I think that's probably a that's probably a bit different. But mm-hmm. and that's that's no disrespect to Matthew Scrooge because I, I desperately want him to stay. But I just don't know that it strengthens them that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it might just be a, a there's a bit of a thing going on in the Gallagher Premiership now where you know, obviously these are clubs with money that we're talking about now, but they're stockpiling. Uh, uh, Beef, if you like, beef mm. stockpiling second rows. Like, uh, it was like what I was watching when the, when the English teams were finishing last season in the autumn. I was watching Northampton, who were in terrible form. I didn't think, I don't think they won a game after the rugby, they they, yeah. but their, their second row resources is like Ezekwe, who I think is not mm. is he a permanent signing or is he one of those who's going back? Might, to might be on a loan, I think. Yeah, uh, Ezekwe, uh, uh, Courtney Laws. Alex Moon is the is a South Sea Islander called uh, Naka, uh, I'm not they're not going to attempt his name uh, and an, and a, another uh, oh uh, ribbons right yeah. on a match day all, four of them will be in the 23 because they'd have laws playing blindside which is stupid two playing and then another one on the bench and and one uh, I mean don't get me wrong they got other second rows as well but uh, uh, the reason that stuck in my mind is because all five of those would get in the Welsh squad yeah. And they, they they can go to a club like Northampton, and they they know they don't even have to play that many minutes because there's so many other second rows, high quality second rows in the club that they can just, I mean, cause does uh, laws just does pay a lot of minutes because whenever he's not in the second row, he's on he's on the blind side as yeah. well. But that day that I was watching him and I realised their resources, Alex Moon, who I think got called up, or I think he has been, hasn't he? Yeah. He wasn't even in the twenty three that day, and I think although. Cardiff and all the other regions are playing on a much smaller budget. I think the pennies dropped in that you, if you, if you get enough second rows, you can throw in fresh meat kind of thing. Because that's exactly what's going on. But that's not exclusive to Northampton. That's going on throughout the whole of the Premiership. Um, I, I noticed recently they put up a board of the highest to lowest paid players in each league. That's right, isn't it? And it's- um, it's uh, second round tight head props, isn't it? I think. Yeah, right up there, yeah, and tens. But the lowest in the Gallagher Premiership, different from the top fourteen. I think it was the top fourteen in the Pro fourteen. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, different from the other two, the lowest paid player uh, position in, in the Gallagher Premiership is seven, because they basically don't play any sevens. They play a second row on the blind side and a blind side on the open side. Yeah. So sevens don't. You know, there's a couple knocking around. Even the the. the uh, uh, Underhill is not strictly speaking an out and out seven, is he? He's more like a six and a half or a, or a blind side. Who, mm. He's like a, uh, I suppose the out and out seven is George Earl. Is it George Earl I'm thinking of? Benno. Is it Ben? Benno. George, Benno. Earl. George, George Earl probably plays cricket or something. No, didn't he play Didn't he play in the second row for Cardiff? When he's South African, played second row uh, for Cardiff. Uh, well, three games for Cardiff, yeah. Yeah, uh, Ben Earl, yeah. Uh, he's another one who's. Um, on a loan and then back to Saracens and all the other stuff. But um, yeah, they, they don't really play open sides over there. They just play extra second rows on the pitch. So, you know, you can see what their intent is from just from their selection, the, the way they the way they play over there. But anyway, going back to Cardiff, I think they, they are the pennies dropping on just unnecessarily uh, 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 the next Brody Retallick signing, but just yeah, safety someone who's going to do a job and, and, and then you've got the ability to bring in fresh quality you know, like I say, not world beaters, but still, they they have like when when they, uh, I think I, don't know, I can't remember the exact timeline now, but I think the season they signed Josh Adams, they were going in, they were going into the beginning of the Pro 14 with three second rows, three out and out second rows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was that season, yeah. 
yeah uh, and they weren't alone you know the Newport have obviously left themselves threadbare at times in the second row and um, it's such a grueling position these days you just can't you, I mean you couldn't do it I don't think you could do it any year but now you just you, you can't get away with that no yeah no, you're absolutely right and uh, it's, it's an interesting point about stockpiling it because I hadn't I hadn't quite looked at it that way but it's yeah, I think you're. Um, I think you're absolutely right. Let's just quickly, before we have a look at some of the other questions, let us have a quick chat while we're talking about Cardiff about Di Young. So we spoke about this briefly on last week's podcast, but he returns for his second stint in charge. Uh, I think it's. I think it's a really, really good appointment. What's your thoughts, Murph? They're definitely the best they were going to get mm. at the moment. Um, I, well, I, um, I mean, he, at times he did a really good job with wasps. Um, although they have looked amazing since he left. <laughs> yeah, no, they have. But I think you know, a couple of a couple of a couple of Premiership finals. Um, what style of play as well, though? I think the most, style I think of play was the most attractive rugby in the in the English league. Yeah, it's interesting how because again, his first stint at Cardiff, they played really good rugby. You know, you think when he when he finally got the best out of Nicky Robinson, basically the season before he left. That, you know, he was. Uh, they they played really good rugby and a really good balance of um, of plenty of tempo and you know the ability to have someone like Jamie Roberts make you yards and you know still the, the Xavier Rush type player to get over the game line. They, they had a really really good balance and mm. it, yeah, I suppose it's interesting because again, it's not necessarily what you expect from uh, what Di was like as a player. But no. although um, he did play league, he did play league. You're right. Yeah, no, he was, he was a very athletic player, but yeah, certainly not. <laughs> You, you wouldn't associate him with running rugby necessarily. But no, no. yeah, I think you're right. The style's good. And to be fair, there's a there's a set of backs there at, at Cardiff that, you know, if you can build that platform and you can get that, you can get those backs playing. They're, ser- they're a seriously talented bunch of players in the backs, I think. Yeah. Um, well, going back to Dai Young, well, it, uh, what you just said about the backs was on evidence last Saturday. Mm. Uh, um my my old, a mate of mine, Richard Rogers, took over, and I don't know what he did. I, I, I another, I give him a lot of abuse actually, so I <laughs> feel embarrassed sometimes about contacting him to ask him anything in case he thinks I'm winding him up. But um, I don't know what he did, but he just got the best out of. Uh, um, um, oh God, I'm having a Brad Shields moment. Jared Evans. Yeah, he got the be- yeah, he got the best out of Jared Evans in, in the space of. Five, I mean, how long? Had, uh, I think. Uh, Mulvey Hill had been gone about eight days, and it suddenly it was that it was that week. It yeah, it's yeah. less than eight days. And Jared Evans looks like Jared Evans at his absolute best in the space of a few days. Yeah, so, I think it, sh- it shackles off, wasn't it? You know, I'm not saying I'm not suggesting that Mulvey Hill wanted to turn him into a kick in ten, but I think in a game like that where you've got nothing to lose and you're in there as interim coach, you say to those halfbacks, Just "Go and play." You know, because you're not you're not particularly expecting uh, to, to beat Scarlets, but so you just go right, you know, go go out there and play, and it and it caught them on the hop because so much rugby is structured now that when you have a set, you know, a, a dynamite set of halfbacks like that, um, obviously, you know, it was, it was fourteen versus fifteen as well for large chunks of the game, but still, you know, you you got to go out there and get the job done. But the the pair well, of those they were playing they were playing well before Liam went off. Obviously, obviously, when Tanetti came back at them. It would have been more difficult to hold them out if he was up against 15 for sure. Mm. But um, they were playing well. They, you know, they set the sword out early, and they, that's the way they continued to play throughout the game. And um, probably would have been harder, obviously, if Liam didn't get himself sent off. But um, just result aside, just the way they played was just. I, 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 
obviously, as you know, I am a massive uh, anorak about the game. I can't quite put my finger on where were they going wrong before that game, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I I just think um, where were they going wrong before that game? I mean, it's because so like, they, they didn't play Halaholo and Lilo together very often. Uh, that that some of that is injury, obviously, but they're a different side with without Jared Evans that you know that you can't expect a side to play in a certain way take Jared Evans out and put Jason Tavi in and expect it to to work the same way just it just it's not gonna it's not gonna happen and no. and that's that's certainly even when Jared was selected he wasn't he wasn't doing what he was doing last Saturday no he wasn't but again he's you know he can be an erratic player can't he you know mm. we and he's still a young player learning his craft so I think I you know all which brings it back to die young and the Dwayne Peel appointment. I think the two of those can yeah. be really, really positive influence. You know, I build that back line around him. There's been, there's been links, uh, you know, there's been stories linking Jared Evans to Gloucester, I think. Uh, but I don't really, I don't really see that. If, you know, if he gets, if he gets a call up for Wales now, he will value, he will this value playing for Wales it. and Wales and will stay. If he plays uh, in that form that he played last week, uh, on a regular basis, so obviously he's only one game. He could go back to being awful next week. Uh, mm. But if he stays in that form, you don't pick Callum Sheedy ahead of Jared Evans. No, I don't think you do. I don't think you do. And uh, I, I just, I surely, you know, I know Pivak needs to get results, but he also wants to play rugby in a certain way. And, and like, there's no point trying to coach, uh, you know, trying to play. To go back to the first half, where you're saying, you know, you play South African rugby against South Africa, you get torn apart. You try and play. I think the best game that Pivak has had as Wales coach was the game at Twickenham. We were in the game and scored that amazing breakaway, you know, that try straight off kickoff. Mm. Um, because there was an element of there was an element of right, we need to we kind of need to to try something a little bit different here. Sling the ball around a bit. It helped that Navidi was on the pitch because he is very much uh, the kind of player that that you want in. Um, you know the the pivot way in inverted commas, mm. um, but yeah, you know I think he he is that kind of player. I know it's a big step up to international rugby, but I, you've got to have you've got to have him in the squad. You've got to have him in the squad. I mean, Sheedy Sheedy looks a, a nice functional player. I'm not sure he's going. I don't know. I, I I've yet to see quite the the hype. You know, I'd love to see what Jared Evans would do at ten with that Bristol pack in front of him. I'd love to see that. Or uh, not just the Bristol pack in front of him, but the semi round rider alongside him. Yeah. And Charles Piotel further out. There's a lot. There's a lot of outside halves who'd be quite keen to play with that back line. Um, I'm not doing down Callum Sheedy because no, I'm not. I'm not. He's from he's from this neck of the woods where I am now, and I was really pleased for him and everything. Yeah. And again, he'll st- he'll be fine this year at international level. But I think you know, for me, if you're picking three, you know, picking three tens, then it's it's bigger, it's bigger Sheedy and Evans. And like you say, if Evans has another game like he did the other night uh, when they when they take on the Scarlets again next week, then I think he uh, he puts himself with a good chance of getting uh, of getting in that 23, personally. Yeah, because Patchell's just been ruled out again. Patchell's, Patchell's ruled out. Yeah, so uh, there's, there's, not... there's no Anscombe. Uh, I don't think there's any, I don't think really there's any, um, any other option. I mean, if anything happened to Bigger now, we'd be... <laughs> yeah really I mean really threadbare yeah uh, yeah definitely and I, st- I still think Big is that you know is the best 10 in terms of overall quality you know proven international level you the, know 
Uh, assuming the Lions tour happens, is he in the tourists party for you? He is for me. Yeah, I take uh, I take two tens as two out and out tens as Gatlin likes to do. Finn Russell, because oh. you you literally can't leave him. Yeah, uh, Owen Farrell is your ten twelve, and then bigger as your other as your other out and out ten. Mm. Possibly take Greg Laidlaw as a nine, just because you know he can. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I, your uh, Greg Laidlaw, Laidlaw obsession. I, I, I normally get like that for young players who don't quite fulfil what they could be. If you know what I mean, like, like mm. Rhys Carey looks like he's going to live it that way. No, I don't think. I was going to ask you about Rhys Carey because you know, one has your restraining order against him uh, <laughs> been subsided yet? Um, but no, I, I don't think. I just why is he not being picked? Right, that mm. doesn't make any sense to me. Like. Yeah. For it's me, for it's me, good. left calf because he, he wasn't getting enough rugby. Sitting on the bench, it'll happen again now. It'll happen again. He'll leave again because he's not starting enough games. I don't know. I think I think that I think Dai Young. Go oh, on, sorry. Dai Young again. I, you know, I'm not. I'm not suggesting here, right? That Dai Young is the answer to it, all problems, but he is an experienced coach with ability at building sides and developing players. Right. I'm not saying he's you know how hands on he's going to be with the coaching, but. If you're Dai Young, you would be looking at that squad list and saying, Reese Carey is what, 22 years old? Uh, and he's a fearsome ball carrier. We need to develop him into the, you know, the out and out loose head talent that we know he can be. And I think I I, I it would be mental if he were to if he were to leave, other than his career goes completely off the tracks and he's not up for it, which mm-hmm. I don't think is well, the case. What you've just said there was clear about two or three seasons ago. Yes, it was, yeah. And they haven't. I mean, if he doesn't start games at regional level, he's not going to be prepared when he keeps. I mean, he, he, I wouldn't be surprised. He's had quite not that many, but he's had a few starts for Wales, especially under Pivac. And he probably hasn't got that many more st- starts for the Blues than he has for Wales this season. I think he's probably had more starts for Wales than he has for than yeah. he has for Cardiff. I think. And you know, like, like Sometimes, like uh, Domachowski's had a mm. good season. Uh, uh, he'd come back from injury and his scrummage is really reliable and everything. But he, he's not, I, I don't know how old Corey is or anything, but he's not the future of Welsh rugby in the way that uh, Rhys Carey could be. And he's not, you know, definitely going to go on to be as good as I think he is. But the potential is there. Like, like I said, when I first noticed him, is. Yeah. I'm sure in other countries like France and England, they've got props that size lying around on the ground everywhere. Yeah. Wales hasn't. Yeah. So they have to make the most of when they get a player who's 130 kilos and fast and hard to stop. They have to get the best out of them. They have to do, you know, there has to be some kind of nurturing is not the word when you're dealing with someone that big, but <laughs> there has to be some kind of plan with them. And going back to Dai Young, I, I, I think you're right, he'll, he'll identify uh, his carry. But one of Dai's strengths when he was in Wales last was signings mm. i think that was his biggest big, more than coaching actually is signings because he signed people like paul tito zavrush ben blair uh and the the problem there is there's nowhere near as much money knocking around in the blues now as there was back then so um hopefully he can find some bargains well yeah he, i think he, I think... he was good at that yeah, well, he did again. At, you know, at Wasps, he um, you know he took over a side in eleventh, moved, and they had to move to Coventry to avoid going bust. I know there's been cash coming after that, but there's certainly a degree of having to find players who can come in and do a job for you in the short term. So, yeah, I think um, yeah, I, I think it's a good appointment overall. Right, we've um, haven't got too much time left, so let's quickly run through the uh, the I mentioned to some of these play uh, some of these uh, listeners who've. 
got some serious gripes with the WIU at the moment. Uh, Gary Mason is one of them. Uh, another coming in from Greg Sherrington from Warren, basically saying what is going on at, um, at the top of the WIU. And I think this, you know, particularly relates to a number of uh, um, senior figures leaving in recent months. Obviously, you've had, uh, you know, um, Ryan Jones, Sam Warburton, uh, Gareth Davis left as, um, you know, left as, as chairman, obviously not in the, the place he would have wanted to have gone. Martin Phillips gone. Uh, in recent times, Julie Patterson is the ops director. Craig Maxwell, um, who is head of commercial, they're all moving on to new things. So, I think there seems to be a great, you know, a great deal of concern around this. Now, a lot of this for me um, is you've got what's his name, Steve Phillips, that has come in as interim um, as interim CEO. Now, he's a finance guy first and foremost, and I think I said this when you know when Warburton was moved on. Um, I think, you know, I think he's looking to make serious savings on the bottom line. You know, he's come in as an interim CEO. It's like, right, let's slash budgets across the board. And I mm. think that that's, um, that's what he's trying to do. And I don't know exactly uh, how long he's going to have this job for, but I don't see there, I don't see it being anything more than just, right, I need to make savings. Now, whether that's the right long-term thing to do is, is a different matter, but it feels like it's, it's all about just watching the watching the bottom line and tightening the purse strings. Yeah, I mean, all those positions you reeled off there, they're all like well, very well paid jobs, mm. um, and they're not those people are not being replaced. That's that's the puzzling bit, I think. <laughs> you know, particularly like if you t- if you take Craig Maxwell for example, right? He's head of commercial. He's moved on to Six Nations, so you know you would see that as a promotion, right? You'd imagine. Um, you know, Julie but, Patterson, I think. Julie Patterson moving on to the board. Also, mo- also moves on to Six Nations. So you see both of those as, you know, as, as promotions. But particularly with Maxwell, it's a revenue-generating business, right? His job is bringing money into the, into the union. And that's the bit where you've got, to get that, you've got to get that appointment right, you know. So obviously there was no one, there's no one lined up for it. Um, now, I am available, obviously, you know, with, 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 with <laughs> I think there's quite a lot of people available after the pandemic. <laughs> yeah but, but you know they've, they've got to get they've got to get that um they've got to get that appointment right as much as as much as the others you know it's it's a really really important one and yeah it, all of this all of this is financial but it's the lack of it's the lack of replacements and uh, and things you know, yeah, well, you know was, ryan my... jones, was ryan jones able to to be effective in that role that he had mm. um i don't know yeah, I, I, you know, I was, I think I heard really good things about what he was doing when he was head of participation. Mm. And, you know, when he was moved out of that, that didn't quite, you know, that didn't quite feel right. So mm. it's really difficult with, you know, with board decisions to, to look at. It's not like it's not like a coach where you can judge him on selection and, and stuff like that. But that's right. Yeah, it's not it's not uh, it's not like a rugby fans forte to judge how they did it, how they performed in that role, you know, you're absolutely right. But it does make you think like, as you know, as like a, a local chops is off on the rugby club, if all these people are being replaced and no one's taking up the role after them, what were they doing? Yeah. That's the, way it, yeah. That's the way it would go around rugby clubs in Wales. They've been, okay. they've been let go and no one's replaced them. So they must've been so important. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, but I, I can look at it. I was just going to say, put, again, putting my work hat on for a minute, right? Um, head of commercial is a job that is hugely important. You know, you, you, 
because yeah, it's exactly what it says in the tin. You need to bring money through the door, mm-hmm. um, through ticketing, sponsorships, everything else. So you've got to have someone who's good at doing that. Um, head of operations, again, you know, that is, that's, a, that's a real job. If you don't have a head of operations who's good, shit goes wrong. Um, yeah. The, yeah, the Ryan one. Well, that's the, the Julie Patterson role. That's, that's, the, that's the Julie Patterson role. So there's a possibility they might name a replacement for that one because that's only just been... Like that was this, yeah, that was this week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Ryan Jones one, like I say, I don't feel like that is necessarily... Uh, yeah, maybe that's just a role that hasn't that hasn't worked out. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's definitely the thing, is you, you've got to... You would look at it and say, do they need a replacement? Mm. And if not, then... Well, like- whether they need one is one thing, but whether they can afford one is yeah. really easy to answer. Yeah. Um, I, I've had, over the past year, I've had a fair amount of dealing with the WIU because of my role at my club has mm. gone through about five different <laughs> different uh, situations in the last four months. But, I've, so I've been on, seems like I've been on a webinar every week with the WIU or the district or whatever. And, um, it seems like one way to get in a good job at a WIU is to be an ex-policeman. <laughs> it's just loads of ex-coppers conducting webinars about different, you know, back to play. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Protocol. Return to play yeah, protocols and what have you. Um, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not knocking on They're probably doing a good job. But it's just all that many ex-police. Because even when I, when they were, when they built the stadium, uh, the mm-hmm. millennium as was then, I remember the, manager of it coming to our club because he was looking for people to marshal the pitch to stop streakers this is 20 odd years ago he was ex-police as well it's just it's just a funny thing with the wiu and ex-policeman you get to like mid-ranking office uh, officer not high you know not the top end just mid-ranking police officer retire early straight in the wiu i don't know what i don't know what the connection is there must be some organizational skills that cross over i don't know yeah again if anyone's got any uh if anyone's got any conspiracy theories on that it'd be, <laughs> nice, it'd, be nice, it'd be nice to hear about a conspiracy theory that's not uh you know that's not um uh, donald trump being uh being persecuted or the fact that coronavirus <laughs> yeah. is a hoax you I, know? Do, I do need donald trump i can make my own up. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Like, yeah but uh, but there we go well yeah look i mean it's uh, it's interesting to say i think you're right you've got, you've got to kind of look at these in um in the months that go by see who who replaces them but yeah you're right that it's it all comes down to money and the the fact there's not a lot of it and we all know that the the whole game in wales has been propped up by the international team for a very long period of time and the ability to pack out the millennium has been has been pivotal to that and mm-hmm. there's not been a game there for nearly a year now so no. it's uh, the package just announced in the last 48 hours i think from the welsh assembly government uh i don't think they call that anymore do we just Welsh government, yeah. Um, Fifty million pounds for the WIU because we didn't get. There was one for the RFU months mm, ago. That's right. Yeah. Said it didn't. It didn't cover the Welsh Rugby Union. It was. It was regarded as a devolved issue. Right. So uh, I think it's just been announced. Unless I've misread that, but there's been a package announced for the Welsh Rugby Union. I think I heard Steph going on about it on on, on Twitter. Oh, there we go. Look, uh, yeah. Obviously, a lot more, uh, a lot more informed than I am. So um, <laughs> that's unusual. <laughs> I think we can make a note of this date. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's very let's very quickly bring it back to rugby uh, issues before wrapping up, Murph. Um, so yeah, we've got the the 
in theory, a Wales squad announcement relatively imminently. Um, and we have had uh, a couple of questions come in about that as well. The two positions that I want to focus on um, are six and nine. Uh, this one was from Reese Lloyd. Uh, and it says there seems to be one spot for an out and out six in the Welsh squad. Who are your front runners for that? And uh, we did also have a question. I think, you know, I think it was, uh, it was Gary Mason again, talking about who the, uh, who the three nines should be. Let's uh, let's get your thoughts on that. Where do you want to start? Six. That's that's your area of expertise, isn't it? <laughs> well, um, the last kind of uh, five months of Welsh back row forwards has all been about who's fit. Mm. Uh, Josh Navidi is, I think, he's our best back row full stop. Agreed. Uh, and then he's he, he, apparently he's in full training. Did I hear that he was in full training again? Yeah, I, th- I think so, but hasn't played again. And then uh, Moriarty as well would probably take up the other position at um, blindside. And he hasn't played a game. And I don't know how far off he is from being fit. So it looks like Shane Lewis Hughes is yep. going to carry on. And who else has played there? I can't remember who else has played there now. I've heard people, I don't know if it was some kind of Twitter trolling. It was people going on about Dan Lydia coming into the Welsh squad? No, it's not Twitter trolling. It's, um, yeah, I, I think BBC, BBC Wales ran with that this week. Um, again, I don't know if they're just plugging plugging the fact that he's on their podcast now but um, <laughs> um yeah. But yeah i mean i you know i think you'd be again you'd be hard pushed to find a bigger fan of of dan lydiot particularly no, that's where that 2011 vintage and he's doing a stunning job for the ospreys now he really is but i, don't, I didn't mean that in a derogatory way no. it would be weird but it is weird because he's 33 yeah that's the, that's world, the cup, point. world cup is three years away and also, again, I think if you were if you were looking at a thirty three year old outside half who you know, like if you had a thirty three year old Phil Bennett came back into form, right, and he could come in and, and revitalize your backs, I think you would I think you would look at it. Or you had a thirty three year old open side who was going to cause real damage. You know, Lydia is playing really, really well, but I don't think it's enough to bring him in and you know and and make not, that much of a difference. No, well, they're not short in the back row. They have got injuries. Yeah. Yeah. There's still there's still enough back row to go round. Um, I'm trying to think who else did play blindside in the there, there definitely was someone. Um, oh, escape wow. escapes me now. That's how forgettable the rugby was. But it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can't. I can't think. But yeah, it's Shane Lewis Hughes played the bulk of the games, but uh, mm. but someone else definitely did play, and it wasn't it wasn't Moriarty because he didn't feature in any of them. I don't think. So mm. yeah, it's um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think if there is only room for one, it probably is Shane Lewis Hughes. Mm. You know, but again, I'm also not. I'm not. I'm not as sold at the moment that six needs to be an out and out old school six who only wears six on his back. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm yeah. more than happy playing two sevens if they if they can play together. I noticed uh, how played six for Bath in that game, that end to end game. I hadn't seen that very often. No, and you know, what I did notice, which I always notice, is how many minutes he had to play compared to the other English second rows. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that, this is it, though. You know, you yeah. you have to earn your pound of flesh as a as a big name signing going to a going to a Premiership club, don't you? Particularly in those positions. Yeah, um, but does yeah. he does he earn that much more than I know? It's different because the the RFU, I think they pay them to wrap up the players in in, in between uh, Six Nations matches and what have you. I think do they? Mm. You know, like when is it when is a gap week in the Six Nations? All the English players put their feet. Yeah. All the Welsh players are on the pitch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, with the English players, that's right. Yeah, they yeah. have. They have no, and I, I wonder if they their minutes are limited in that regard as well by the 
RFU were in an agreement with the English clubs, if you know what I mean. Don't because know about we, I don't know about overall limits, but um definitely yeah. yeah, yeah. But again, you know, I think you you just um yeah, as a as a big name sign non-English signing, you're definitely gonna be you're definitely gonna be asked about again, particularly because you know he's he's missed a lot of rugby. They want to they want to get their money's worth out of him. But sure. yeah, I mean he will have he will have eight on his back for for Wales for sure. So yeah, I, I don't know, six it's it's a tricky one. I'm up for experimenting a bit. I think during Six Nations, um, you know, I think Shane Lewis Hughes is a great prospect, but I don't think he's the finished article yet. Um, I'm surprised how big he was, mind. Uh, yeah, he stood next to Alan Wynn. He's he's not much smaller than Alan Wynn Jones. No, he's, he's a lump of a bloke. Yeah, he is, and I, I think, think you know, mate, I because, he, because his face looks so young. I mean, everyone looks starting to look young at my age. Because uh, his face looks so young, I just assume he's not 18 stone. If you know what I mean, yeah. I know that sounds weird. He just looks like he, he is. I mean, for a forward, he's an incredibly young-looking bloke. So you just don't expect him to be a beast, you know, in the gym as well. Yeah, he obviously, he obviously is. He's a, he's a, he's a tank. But yeah, no. So I, th- I think if yeah, if if there is room for one out and out six, it's, it's Shane Lewis Hughes for me. Uh, what about nines then? Three, there's, there's a, a shared load of nines. Uh, if we're saying only three of them get in the squad, who would be yours? I don't. I don't, I don't see any discussion. Yeah. What? Uh, well, it's the the three best nines uh, have been the three best nines for quite a few seasons. It's, it's Thomas Williams, Reese Webb, and and uh, Gareth Davis. Like the only thing there is whether you think Kieran Hardy is better than Gareth Davis. I assume I don't know. If I'm honest, I've I think Kieran Hardy is a very good player, and I think obviously he's you know he's um, he's in the ascendancy perhaps versus Gareth Davis, but Gareth Davis is a proven international player. Reese Webb at his best, and I know we've only seen him in fits and starts, but I'm such a big Reese Webb fan. I would, I would have him in the squad because he is on his, on his best. He is he's world class, and I know he hasn't played at that level for a couple of years, but mm. you know he's he's. I wouldn't I wouldn't be you know chucking that away yet. And Thomas Williams is the one who's got the the ability to explode and be an absolute world beater for me. Mm. You know, it's like it's you know me, mate. I lo- I love racehorsing, right? Uh, race, race horses even um, <laughs> horse racing as the sport is generally known um, and you know when you watch a horse and you know there's something there's something else more to come mm. but, they're, but they're unexposed and that's that's Thomas Williams for me I think that when he does you know if he gets a run if he gets a run of games I think he has the opportunity to go on and be an absolutely terrifyingly good he, re- he reminds me of Webb you know we watched Webb play a handful of internationals off the bench at the start of his career and then about 2014 he went through a run where he scored like 10 tries in 10 games for the Ospreys and he made that shirt his own and you know there was no looking back for for the next three you know for the, until he got injured you know there was no looking back mm-hmm. um, and even when he came back after injury he was he was absolute class and yeah. There was a period where we didn't look like scoring unless he was involved. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that, you know, I think that, that Thomas Williams has got the opportunity to do that. I think what I've seen from Kieran Hardy is he's neat and tidy. He's got good service. He runs great support lines, um, you know, much like Gareth Davis does. But yeah, I don't mind whether you put Davis or um, or Hardy in there. Um, but for me, I would I would definitely have Thomas Williams and, and Reese Webb in. And then the other two is kind of 50-50. But I don't know. I probably just plump for Davis. I think personally. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, I, uh, I couldn't have been on this podcast. I am. I'm not on any other podcast, but I have definitely boxed the ears off someone about like Gareth Davis was a revelation at the last World Cup. Mm. 
And the whole squad was quite good in the last World Cup. And as far as I can tell, it's exactly the same squad <laughs> that went to the World Cup, bar one or two injuries. Mm. The, uh, Wayne Pivak and whoever else has been coaching has made look really average with exactly the same squad. You know, like, did anyone retire? I think anyone even retired. I don't think anyone did, did they? There's normally a, a, a rake of retirements in yeah. regular teams. You, you four or five say, right, that four or five normally top frontline players say, right, that's enough. I, I'm not going to make the next World Cup. I'll wrap it in. We didn't lose any. Um, we've gone from losing by three points in the semi-final to the eventual winners uh, to looking like we don't know how to win a line-out and, you know, all the other problems we've got. Defensive shape is all over the shop and... Yeah, that's a whole other can of worms. But it's all the same players. So Gareth Davis might be having a dip in form or but I think if he was still being coached by Sean Edwards, Mm. you know, what I find strange is those three you mentioned, or we've mentioned, that we think would be in the World Squad, to me, each one of them is a mile better than Ben Youngs. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Ben Youngs will be in the Lions tour. He will be, well, the theoretical one, which is not going to happen, uh, he would be. He would make that tour, and if he didn't make the tour, there would be uproar. There might be. Uh, I don't know whether Gatland fancies him. He's never taken him on another tour, and he's been England's number one for like fifteen years, isn't he? He was on. He was on the last tour. Was he? Yeah. Oh yeah, he was. You're right. he's never a test mine. No. I think, every, I think even English people <laughs> would appreciate that he's not a Lions test mine. Yeah. But he always makes a tour because yeah, he's been no, on the English right. tour. Yeah, you're right. Because um, he's pack every week, but uh, you know, I wouldn't have him in front of any of ours. In fact, no, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd have him ahead in front of Kieran Hardy. The one thing I would say is that Pivak has got to pick one, I think, and and give them a good right. You know, this the, the chopping and changing in that position yeah. has yeah. not helped the whole time. You know, yeah. and when you had Lloyd parachuted in and and all this kind of stuff, mm. it just, it smacked of desperation of I need to find something. I need to find a nine who can just get me a bit of stability. I think really they just yeah he's got to he's got to pick someone. Um, I mean it is it is tricky to decide. Like you you need to. I mean uh, there's so many things wrong at the moment with the Welsh team. You you don't know what the pattern of play is for a start, and therefore you can't decide which is the which nine is the best fit for that pattern of play because you you know we haven't even settled on that yet. So I think you're right though in the in the sort of long term is Thomas. Uh, Tomas, should I say? Yeah. Um, you know, you couldn't. I think if it hadn't been for uh, Fafta Clerk, you could argue that Gareth Davis is the best nine of the World Cup. Uh, yeah, yeah the, over... the impact, the impact he had. Yeah, you know, exactly. You, exactly. That, he turned the Australia game. The Australia game. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. No, I think I, I think you're right. But um... and Ben Youngs, and I, I don't know. This sounds like I'm just assassinating the guy, but he, he, he sprayed the ball everywhere in that World Cup. His yeah. service was all over the shop. Like Gerwin Price, it was not <laughs> topical. Topical. It's... Reference his uh his, his darts prowess or his service as a as a as a former. But he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't grouping his passes. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, poor old um, uh, George. What's George Ford? Mm. I mean, he was reaching for him. He was picking him up off his toes, and sometimes they were bypassing George and going straight to uh, Owen Farrell. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't have him. I wouldn't have him. He wouldn't make the Welsh squad that way. 
There we go. And yeah, there's not many there's not many positions that you could say that about at the moment. Most English, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Most English third, third string would be straight in the side. But yeah, yeah. it has been an absolute delight to have you back on the podcast. And it won't you be... Well, before, you, before we wrap up, I, 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 um, I'm just remembered I'm not even speaking to you because last summer you were doing those dream team things. I didn't get you on, did I? No. So okay. you can you can delete all this now. <laughs> yeah, persona non grata. And the best thing was I, I messaged yesterday after is to say oh, yeah. I enjoyed it. And then I was I was <laughs> in lockdown writing down all my dream team like a little twelve year old doing homework. And uh, I had to I had to second guess like he was picking people like Brian Williams who I would mm. pick uh, the old um, Lucy. So I was uh, go just basically going for. A, uh, a dream team full of unfulfilled talent a bit like most of my favorite players my man crush i was going to mention earlier by the way was marcus smith go on just yeah, just generally outside half of harlequins yeah, yeah I, I think he should, i i think he'd been in the england squad yet yeah it's just holding tackle bags a few years ago when he was at 18 wasn't it yeah yeah, yeah he's not got close no but he he's proper rugby player if he was uh down south any of any of the super rugby clubs mm. they'd be going mad for him he's a bit a little bit lightweight but then there's there's a trend now for like i know it's the one it's the one position you can get away with it i think isn't it yeah well it, you can have it, a lightweight no i know i'm dragging out your podcast much too long now but there's, there's a there's a seems to be a trend now for slightly built players like uh callum chidi's only a slight guy yeah. uh prothero he's yeah. a right throw he's, he's like yeah 11, he looks like he's 11 stone doesn't he i know he's yeah. not but and, and he, what i like is he hasn't been picked because he's an athlete he's been picked because he's a really good rugby he's, player he's a bright player isn't he to a lesser extent, Johan Lloyd is only a slip of a guy. Yeah. Could be because he's just still a teenager. I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I, that's my, my he's my cross-border man crush, Marcus. <laughs> well, look, I'll, I'll promise you two things. I will, I will do a dream fifteen with the minor. <laughs> People are going to want to hear it. We're in another lockdown. <laughs> We're in another lockdown, exactly. Um, and yeah, well, I should have filled this weekend. If if no rugby continues, maybe we'll just have. I'll string it out over the Lions tour where we should have had that and, um, and you can pick a different themed one each week. Um, so I'll promise you that. And then whenever you're on the, uh, whenever you're on the pod, you can pick a, a cross border man crush as well. Thanks mate. Every week. <laughs> I, um, I, we've run out after a month for sure. I know. Well, look, Murph, I've got to go because I've got a chicken curry in the oven and it's probably burning there, but, um, nonetheless, it's been fantastic to chat to you. So thanks Murph for, for, uh, Coming back on the pod, uh, thanks to everyone for listening. A thanks, as always, to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. Uh, if you want to get some great co- uh, coffee, as they would say in New York, I don't know why I said it like that, but if you want to do that, you can do so at socoffeetrades.co.uk. And finally, a thanks to a review we've had in as well. This one is uh, from Rob Sandra. So thank you to Rob and Sandra, I presume. Um, uh, Scarlet's director was good value. Uh uh, who is Steph Evans? Great observations by him. I think they mean Steph Thomas, but of course, yeah, Steph's uh, no stranger to this podcast. Uh, really interesting. I hope he's on again, as I'm sure everyone will be saying about Murph, and he will be on again soon. And we will be back to chat rugby with you very, very soon. Thanks for listening. Cheers, Jed. Podcast Network.